Welcome. You're listening to the podcast of First Church in Woodland, California, Pastor Timothy Wisnett. We're so glad you could join us. And we pray that this message you're listening to today is a blessing to your day. And I want to invite you also to visit us online at firstchurch.app to get connected with us and learn about our service and upcoming events. And uh, we hope that we can connect with you and see you soon. And 2 Corinthians 4 and 3, but if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. Would you read that aloud with me? But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. Verse 4, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Let me read that again. I want you to follow this. In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. I'm going to teach for a little while here tonight on this subject, how to pray evangelistically. How to pray evangelistically or pray for the unbeliever, pray for the lost. Amen. We need to pray for the lost. Amen. I, I, I would be afraid to know what percentage of saved people's prayer is actually for lost people. Because we have gotten so caught up in praying for bigger, big, bigger homes and better cars and more luxury. But, but really what we need to be praying for really, truly is people that are non-believers. We need to pray for them. Amen. Amen. Let's ask the Lord to touch us tonight. Father, we thank you for your presence. You are so wonderful to us that on this Tuesday night you have once again moved into this place and so beautifully come in contact with your children. And I pray that you would open our understanding, that you would touch my mouth to speak the words of which you have given to speak life and revelation and understanding. I pray right now, Lord, that you would increase us in our prayer. In Jesus' name, and everyone said amen. Amen. Look at somebody and tell them, I'm glad to see you in the house of the Lord. You can be seated. I want to say this. We have got to pray that a spirit grips our hearts so that we want revival or a harvest and a move of God more than we want anything else. We have got to pray that we get consumed with a passion of seeing God demonstrate his presence more than anything else. Matthew chapter 5 and verse number 6, Jesus says, Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Didn't say everyone would be filled. It said those that would hunger and thirst after righteousness. You need to create an appetite for righteousness and the things of God. Amen. Isn't it amazing how you can go your whole life without experiencing something, but once you've tasted it, you get a hunger for it. How many know what I'm talking about? Amen. I've, I've got some repenting to do tonight because for a long time, I have made fun of people who drink cold coffee. Let me, let me back to that. More importantly, grown men who drink frozen, frappe, icy, sissy coffee. But I discovered something. I discovered something while I was at youth convention. Uh, I didn't feel like packing for one night my, my coffee gear, my pour over, because we were only going to be gone from the house like 16 hours. And so <clears throat> I got up that morning, and my wife will be 
satisfied with Starbucks. I'd rather lick dirt. Amen. I just, Starbucks is not my thing, okay? I know some folk, my wife loves it. She don't understand why I don't love it. Amen. And, and I did find something I, I can enjoy at Starbucks, and it is water. <clears throat> Amen. I just don't like it. Amen. I know I've got Starbucks people in here ready to shoot me right now. That's just me, though. And so I, I went to, uh, we, we did a U-turn after we got, and there was a, lo and behold, there was an oasis in the desert. There was a Dutch Brothers. Amen. And so I went into Dutch Brothers. I like Dutch Brothers. I'm not crazy about their Americano. I want some, when I want black coffee, it's not necessarily the best, but it, it's, it's a step up from Starbucks. Amen. And uh, I didn't know where the nearest McDonald's. Now, McDonald's got good black coffee. They, they got good coffee. And so you never knew this would apply to a, um, a Bible lesson. Amen. And so I pull up into Dutch Brothers, and I'm driving a Tesla. I'm already out. I, I, I'm driving a Tesla, okay? I have already surrendered my man card for the weekend. So I said, <laughs> I left my pickup in the driveway, and I said, they said, what would you like? And I said, thrill me. I said, they said, what kind of coffee you like? I said, hot, strong, and black. And they said, well, we got Americano. I said, no, 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 that's just, that's watered cappuccino. They said, well, would you, would you like to try something new? Now, I don't like trying things. I'm not, an, I'm not, the, I, I like what I like. Okay? I like what I like. I've been wearing the same brand of uh, T-shirts, undershirts, for 15 years. Socks for 20 years. I like what I like. That's just me. She said, you want to try something different? And I said, uh, matter of fact, I've used the same toothpaste since I was 11 years old. Cinnamon close-up. It works for me. I use the same brand toothbrush that I have since I was 11 years old. Not the same toothbrush, but the same brand toothbrush that is similar to the one I had at 11 years old. Until recently, my wife bought me a Quip toothbrush. It's one of them things that, that shakes, which is funny because I really don't think it's that much of an improvement. Amen. And, that you know, they say three out of four dentists approve of it. I don't care about the three. I want to talk to the fourth that don't approve. <laughs> I want to know why you don't approve of this thing. It kind of feels good. It massages a little bit. But what these people understand is men, we don't really move our hand anyway when we brush our teeth. We move our head. <laughs> Come on, men. You know what I'm talking. We, we, get, we get about four strokes into it, and then we're going... <laughs> You know I'm telling the truth. Am I telling the truth? Yeah. We, get, we get like, and then all of a sudden we're doing this right here. We'll help it along every once in a while. It's like jump starting it, you know, and then we'll get it. Same toothbrush, toothpaste. Undergarments for 15 plus 20 years. I just don't change. Same brand, same style. I like it. Amen. She says, you want to try something new. And I thought, I need caffeine. At this point, I would snort it. Just give me some caffeine. She said, well, we have a delicious thing. It's called a Dutch freeze. I said, do tell. She said, it's basically like a slushy, but it's with coffee. You know what I'm talking about. She's already about to run the aisles over there right now. I seen Sister Henderson's shoulder shiver just a little bit. And she goes, and we have flavor that we put in there. And I said, what kind of flavor? She goes, well, everything. We got bubble gum. And went, eh, I may be driving a Tesla, but I got a wife and a daughter. Don't bubble gum me as a grown man. She said, well, we got something called a flapjack, and it's salted caramel. And I said, okay, let me flapjack. That's a manly version of a pancake. I can swing this. 
I said, give me a flapjack. She said, let me guess, no whip. I said, you are right on. Amen. I'm already in a Tesla drinking cold coffee. I don't need whipped cream on top of it. <laughs> and I get on the road, and we get down the road, and everybody's adjusting their coffee, and Addison's got, you know, her coffee back there, and my wife's got her coffee up here, and I've got, and I get on the road and, and set it. Now, I got to say one cool thing is the autopilot, you know, and I put it on. Of course, my wife hated autopilot on the Tesla because I would be texting going down the road or looking at my phone. And she's like, what if this thing crashes? I said, two words, lawsuit. <laughs> right, right. We'll get two new buildings, amen, at the same time. Elon's got the money. Amen. Don't believe me? Ask Jack Dorsey. He'll tell you how much money he's got. He's running them crybabies all over the world right now. And so I, I get on the road and I hit the autopilot and I'm, and I'm thinking, you know, I need to focus on this, Brother Nate, because this is the first time I'm sipping sissy coffee, right? And so I'm kind of looking at it and I'm thinking, my goodness, uh, I'm just waiting for my wife to pull out the phone and video this. But I took a drink of it. And I'm glad it was on autopilot because I got the same shiver that Sister Henderson just had. Because it was not only good, it was refreshing. I was so fresh out of Bolivia, I had to say, delicioso. <laughs> I had enough Filipino in me, I said, maserap. Amen. Enough French. I said, bon appetit. Amen. It was good. How good was it? I get two of them a day on top of the five cups of black coffee I already drink. That's just got to balance it out. You know, I just can't have too much of it. I'm afraid I start wearing skinny pants or something if I drink too much of it. I'm just... Brother Henderson's going to have to bail me out before too long. <laughs> See what happens when my wife's on another continent? I've never had her this far from, well, I, I've been that far. She's never left the, the continent. Amen. And so uh, I, I, I was amazed that I woke up. And matter of fact, when I got into Vacaville, I said, oh, man, we got a new Dutch brother. And I went out of the way and went through it and got another one just to confirm that it was really as good as the first one. It was. It was actually a little better. And then I got up the next morning. And I said, Twas it a dream? So I made me some coffee. And yet my coffee, though satisfying, did not suffice. So I went over and drank another. Okay, you get it. I'm at 900 points, if you know anything about the Dutch Brothers app. I'm at almost 1,000 points since youth convention, okay? It's a little... <laughs> and I didn't even use the app on all of that. But isn't it amazing you can get, a, you can get an appetite for something you had never had? unquenchable it, it takes over your mind that's what we need to get in the spirit when it comes to reaching the lost and seeing revival in our churches we need to get that kind of an appetite to where we wake up in the morning thinking yeah this is good but what I really need is what I had yesterday that really hit the spot for me. Amen. I'm praying something awakes inside of us that we get this appetite created within us for evangelism. Amen. And for praying for the lost that we all of a sudden realize that, that we don't, we, we're not going to forget why we are here and why we are a part of the church. And I know it's Tuesday night and we got a, 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 a most more, almost more out than we have in. But if I can get this core tonight to catch what I'm saying right now and you will develop an appetite for it you'll turn this whole city upside down you'll turn your family upside down Jesus did it with 12 and one of them was a devil 
Jesus did it with 12. Amen. They, 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 they created this appetite. Amen. You can pray it and ask God for it, but make sure you're asking God for things he will actually give. Lord, give me a burden for prayer. He doesn't do that. You got to create an appetite for prayer. He can give you a burden while praying, but he's never going to give you a burden for. Does that make sense? I mean, prayer is communication with the lover of our soul. Try that when you go home, men. Gently pull your wife under your arm and say, give me a reason to want to talk to you, babe. Huh? That, that ain't going to work. Go up to her and say, I love you, but I really don't want to talk to you. So why don't you entice me to just want to say mere words to you? I mean, Brother Omar, don't try it. <laughs> You're going to need prayer for healing after that. I mean, but this is what we're doing. I, I preached about this on Sunday. Jesus is the husband. The church is the bride. And what we're saying is, you know, I love you, God, but I'm just so busy. Why don't you force me? Why don't you push me until I have to pray? And God's saying, really? What? Really? Do you not understand the concept of free will? That's the whole reason you were created? The whole reason I came and redeemed you? That you would want and you would desire that relationship? We ought not ask God. God, no, we need to create the appetite. And that appetite being created should not be a difficult thing. I, I said it shouldn't be a difficult thing. Because when we really love him and we're filled with his spirit, we're going to want to talk with him. We can't forget why we're here. We cannot forget why we are on the earth as born-again believers. We can't. You're not here to fill a spot. You're not here to add a number. You're more than that. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 15 and verses 13 through 17, he said, ye are the salt of the earth. Wow, that's a big deal. He said, if the salt has lost his savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is henceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden under the foot of men. I, I don't mean to be so plain spoken by echoing the words of Jesus, but what he literally said was, is if you are no longer adding flavor, you are useless. Now, don't get mad at me. That's what Jesus said. He said, you are the salt of the earth, and if the salt loses its savor, then what good is salt except to be thrown out and be trodden under the foot of men? In other words, what Jesus was saying is, my people ought not be a bland people. My people ought not be a tasteless people or a lifeless people or a joyless people. But my people ought to be people that add to whatever situation they come into. We ought not be boring. We ought not be bland. We ought not be tasteless. Amen. But we ought to be what he's called us to be that whatever we come in contact with, we change the situation. Amen. Amen. Help me, Brother Reuben. I'm trying not to preach. If I start preaching, it goes longer. Amen. Tell everybody not to clap or something because I feel the Holy Ghost right now. Salt changes everything. And one thing about salt, once you oversalt it, you can't unsalt it. Right? Once you, once you put too much salt on something, you're not getting that out. You can add more gravy to it. You can add more what? But it's still there. Matter of fact, that, that taste sticks in the back of your mouth. I, I, I'm quite fond of it, but, but that's just me. I love salt. I love salt. I mean, if you're, that's, that's not hyperbole. I love salt. I travel the world with my own salt shaker. And Brother Roberto is in translating right now, and he is saying amen. If you're listening to translation, Brother Roberto is saying amen. Pastor es loco en la cabeza. 
Amen. I love this. I add salt to everything. They say, oh, you don't want to taste your food first? I know it's not salty enough. Well, I put a lot of salt in it. A lot of salt for who? Well, you're not going to try it and then ruin the flavor? <laughs> I won't put some salt on it because salt brings that flavor out. It, it makes, for me, it just makes the flavor explode. I put salt on dessert. I, I, if you give me a Snickers bar, I'm putting salt on it. Now, I'm not going to make it white. I'm just going put, to put a little bit of salt on it. That's why Sister Henderson makes the best chocolate chip cookies this side of the Andromedan galaxy because she sprinkles sea salt throughout her chocolate chip cookies. They're about the only ones I eat. I like chocolate chip, but I love oatmeal raisin, but her chocolate chip. We were, we were at having Christmas dinner, and uh, Sister Simone brought, what was the oatmeal, oatmeal something cake, right? Huh? Oatmeal cake, and it was like gluten-free or something like that. And I was nervous, but, man, that thing was, it was good. It was good. I just learned gluten-free means, it, 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 you know, I want to go on a gluten-free diet, put it that way. All the candy that I love says gluten-free on it. Mike and Ice, gluten-free. Twix, gluten-free. All of it's gluten-free. So I was she brings this oatmeal cake, homemade oatmeal cake. And I cut into a slice of it. And I'm standing there. This is Christmas Day. I think we're having Christmas dinner. On Christmas Day, and I'm standing there. And my niece, who is over in, in London right now with my wife, she sees me take the salt. And, goes, and I start eating. And she goes, ew, that's just so gross. I never understood people that did that, right? They're just watching you eat. And they can't wait to go to disapprove of your life choices in that moment. You know, I don't sit there when you put your shoes on and go, ooh, you know. You don't like it? There's nine other rooms in the house. <laughs> ooh, that's gross. Like I'm dipping bananas in mayonnaise or something like that. I said, what's, I said, what's gross about this? And she said, you put salt on your dessert? And I went, ooh, you don't? She said, that's just so gross. And I said, have you ever tried it? She said, no. I said, okay. That's like people think fishing's boring. They've never been. Or their expectations are really... Like I took Addison fishing when she was little, and she'd sit there, and she, and she loves fishing. But, I mean, I can go six hours without a bite, and I'm still having fun. I mean... Saying, Daddy, this is getting boring. She's like, five. Daddy, this is boring. We're not catching anything. So, what are we going to keep trying? We're not I said, honey, this is why we call it fishing, not catching. If it was called catching, everybody would be doing it. It's fishing. You're trying. And so I told her, I said, well, Ella, just try it. She says, oh, I'm not going to try that. I said, okay, Snooty, listen. Go get you said you like the cake, right? She said, yeah, it's delicious. I said, okay. That cake, as it is right now, it's really good. It's like a seven. But when I put that salt on, it's going to be, a, it's going to be an 11. She goes, no. So I put a dash of salt on there for her. And when she put it in her mouth, her eyes lit up. Went, and she started going, mm, 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 mm. And when she could swallow, she goes, there's flavors in there I didn't notice. That's what salt does. That's why it's good on ice cream and chocolate and carrot cake and blueberry muffins. Because it, some of y'all can go home and try it, aren't you? Don't do it if you got high blood pressure. Get reduced sodium salt, then do it. <laughs> Which, you know, reduced sodium, sodium salt is just a smaller bottle. <laughs> just, just <laughs> like, how do you take salt out of salt? I never understood that. And she said, but this is what Jesus said. Jesus said, my church, my people, when they come in contact with something, they are to enhance what is there. They are to take something that is bland and make it beautiful. 
You are to take something that has nothing and add value to it by your mere presence. Don't shout me down when I'm preaching good, but let me just say this. Some of y'all are like, are, are, I almost said something that may not have been appropriate. Not sinful, just, you know, I'm, just, I'm trying to find the right way to say it. Some of y'all about as welcome as a skunk at a Sunday picnic. Because you don't bring no joy into a situation. Only criticism, skepticism, negativity. He said be salt. Salt, not sour cream. I want people to want me to be around. And let me say, I want people to want me to be around. I want to have to turn down more invitations to go be with people than have to sit on Facebook and wonder why everybody but me is having a good time. The problem with a lot of Christians is they're not being salt. You're being pepper. You're being sour cream. You're being cottage cheese. You're being Limburger cheese. You're being everything but. Jesus said, my people are going to be the salt of the earth. And if they don't have flavor, then they are useless to my kingdom. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost here tonight. This is just some good old-fashioned teaching tonight. I'm going to get into the prayer thing in just a moment and land the plane. But I've got to tell somebody, you need to be, you don't need to be the person that when you walk in the break room, everybody goes, oh, got to go. You don't, you don't need to be the person that when you walk into a family dinner, they go, oh, man. Be salt. Be salt. Jesus said, you're the salt of the earth. You want to know why I eat so much salt? I am fulfilling that scripture right there. I'm going to save my wife money. When I die, the mortician's going to go, he's already preserved. I mean, <laughs> that's 3,500 bucks right there. That, no formaldehyde for him. The sodium has kept him immaculate. The Lord tarries five million years from now. They'll dig up my body and go, how did they mummify him like that? But Jesus said, you're to be the salt of the earth. You're to make a difference in that situation. And, and it doesn't take much salt for most people. Not for me, it does. For most people, it doesn't take but a little bit of salt. You just add a dash of salt. When I read an ingredient, it says a dash of salt. That's a dash of salt for somebody that's got the white tongue. Amen. But if somebody like me, I, I need more than that. I got to have more than that. I can't stand. Now you, I mean, we go. To, I love Ecuador. Thank God this ain't being bread cast life. But Ecuador's got some of the most bland food you've ever had in your life. They, Brother Roberto, I'm listening for an amen. He just said it. He just <laughs> He's back there translating. Today. I mean, it's good food, but they don't, they don't season anything. They don't use peppers. It's good food. It's different, but they don't season anything. And, 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 and to me, when I, just, when I eat it without the salt, I'm like, you know, it's okay. But when I just add a little bit of salt to it, that food just goes through the roof. That's where we start eating them rats. Oh, that's good stuff. Amen. The guinea pig and all that, that's good. Put a little salt on it. Amen. Never hurt anybody until they had a coronary. <laughs> Jesus said you're supposed to be that salt that just a little bit of it's added to a situation and it brings it. I'm going to tell you there's beauty in relationships you have that you have not yet brought the beauty out of it yet because you have not yet been the salt. And Jesus said, you are the salt. There is beauty in your job. There is beauty where you work. There is beauty in your home. There is thing God wants to do in your life. Amen. But as long as you're withholding the salt. Then Jesus said, and I got to hurry. Jesus said, then he said, uh, you are the light of the world. So he says, you are salt and you're light. 
I didn't tell them to sing that song. They sang that song tonight, Salt and Light. He said, you're salt and light. You're the light of the world. A city set on a hill that cannot be hid. He said, neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light for all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Let me say this. We have let the denominal world intimidate us too long by saying, well, you guys talk about works too much. No, we don't. Jesus did. Jesus says if you are salt and you are light let the light illuminate the good works that you do for your father we're not saved by works but works will after salvation after salvation works is a natural thing for a believer, regrettably, most churches pray far too little about evangelism. We spend most time of our prayer, we're praying for bigger buildings, and we need a bigger building. We need our own building and all these things. But I'm going to tell you something, First Church. Listen, let's, let's, let's just start praying. God, uh, triple pack this building out on Sundays. We spend more time praying about that better car. Amen. Hold on to that car and just start praying for the lost. Praying for the better job. Praying for the better this. Pray. And notice how most of our prayers center around what we want. What we want. That was never the design of prayer. Amen. That was never the design of prayer. The design of prayer was to communicate with him and ask what he would want us to pray. The Bible said, matter of fact, you'll get into a place in prayer where you don't know what you should pray. So the spirit will pray for you. Most churches won't pray. It's going to be about make this and, and better this and we need more of this and more of that. You, you know, I never find the disciples, I never find the early church praying for revival. They were praying for boldness to witness. They prayed for boldness to be salt, to be light. Amen. But most of the time we will get caught up like a little puppy chasing our tail just praying for our Christmas wish list. But I'm going to tell you something. We need, we need our church to be, our, our campuses to be evangelistic. I said we need to be evangelistic. But if we are evangelistic without evangelistic prayer, then we are nothing but salesmen of religion. We have got to have the evangelistic effort in the natural, but the evangelistic prayer in the supernatural. Amen. We have got to realize that the non-believers are in a condition in their soul. Amen. And, and the Bible clearly states this. It states that in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verses 3 through 4 in our text. Do you remember what time I started? I don't want to go too long. Hey, Brother Henderson, do you remember what time? You've got to get a clock back there or something. Amen. I, I couldn't, I was up here trying to discreetly open my app and time myself, and I, I totally forgot what time I started. Amen. I don't want to keep you too long. I hope you're getting something out of this. But he said, but if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. Our gospel is not hid from believers. Our gospel is hid from unbelievers. How, are, how is the gospel of Jesus Christ hid from unbelievers? I'm gonna t if you will listen to what I'm saying tonight, if, if you're taking notes, this is a great time to be writing notes because I'm going to help you to be able to pray for the lost, specifically pray for the lost. He's, how, so how can the gospel of Jesus Christ be hid from them that are lost. It says it in verse number four. Whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not. Lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ who is the image of God should shine unto them. So the first thing you need to realize and if you're taking notes take this or go back and listen to the podcast and take notes. Listen to this. The first thing you better realize when you pray for the lost is that they are blinded. They are blinded. They are blinded. They are blinded, and I'm sick of us getting mad at blind people for walking into stuff. 
and the church gets all self-righteous. Well, look at them out there and all of their, well, they're sinners. What are they supposed to do? Be angels? Yeah, it's gross. Yeah, it's sick. I'll stand against the immorality of, of abortion and, 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 and same-sex marriage and the grooming of our children and all that. But should we really be surprised that they're debasing themselves to the, that disgusting level? They're, they're sinners. They're blinded by the God of this world. There was a protester that showed up at a church on Sunday. And she stood out in front of a church, not, not even a church that I support what they believe. I, I, I believe they got her, heresy and damnable doctrine. But this woman stood there in, 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 a, in a, like a one-piece bathing suit and she had Cabbage Patch dolls stuffed in here. And she, was, uh, she had these uh, baby dolls and they had fake blood all over them. And she was ripping the baby's heads off saying, we want to kill the babies. We want to kill the babies. And it's disgusting, and it's sick, and it's demonic. It's demonic. But they're blinded by the God of this world. They're blinded by the God of this world. And you're not going to give them light by arguing with them. The only way they get light is to pray for them. Pray that God would send his glorious light to them. We got to pray. 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 Pray for them that despitefully use you. Amen. I, I, I've made people mad. Amen. Because I... Uh, because I, I got to qualify everything because people think I'm on one side or the other. So just hold on. Amen. I'll get around to you in a minute. Amen. I, 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 rem, I remember when, I, when, I, when we founded the church in Vacaville and it was at the end of the Bush administration. I said, we got to pray for the president. Someone like pray for him. Yeah. And then, and then President Obama for eight years. Amen. They wanted to get up. They wanted to. I said, no, 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 no. The Bible said we pray for them in leadership. Amen. And that's what we're going to do. We're going to pray. It doesn't say that we, we castigate them and we excoriate them, but we as believers, we pray for them. And so we'd have organized prayer, amen, for, for uh, President Obama. And I pray every day for our governor, amen. Do I agree with him? No. Is he a dingbat? Absolutely. But do I pray for him? You better believe I pray for him. I pray for him every day. I pray for the mayors of both of our cities. I pray for the lieutenant governors. I pray for the corrupt cops that are prosecuting attorneys in this state, amen. I pray for everybody. I pray for them in leadership. I prayed for four years. I prayed for President Trump, and that made everybody mad. Amen. I, I remember when uh, they they switched power at the inauguration, uh, inauguration, and uh, uh, President and, and uh, First Lady Michelle Obama uh, were meeting with uh, President Elect and First Lady Elect uh, Melania Trump. And I remember my daughter making a comment to a bunch of people how beautiful that uh, Michelle Obama's dress was, and she loved it. And and, and it offended some. And then it offended the others when she said how beautiful Melania's dress was. And here's something that I did in my home. Amen. My, my kid is a kid. I'm going to let him be a kid. I'm teaching them to respect authority. I don't care who's elected. You're going to cut the legs out from underneath your children if you are bashing authority all the time. My, my daughter comes home from school sometimes. She'll say, they're saying this at school. And I'll say, you're a kid. You're not old enough for that conversation. She'll say, Daddy, how do you feel about this? You're not old enough to know how I feel about that. I want you to respect authority. Amen. Amen. And so they are blinded. Would you get mad? Amen. If somebody was blind and, and their cane broke and they walked into the back of your brand new car and put a dent in it and scratched it, you'd be disappointed. You'd be frustrated. But Jack, that's what you got insurance for. You're not going to run over to a blind person and grab them by the hair of their head and just start pounding on them. Amen. You're not going to Will Smith them across the face. Amen. Because they bumped into your car. You're not going to. If you do, you are a jerk. They are blind. They can't. Sinner, hey, listen, sinners gonna sin, but saints ought to pray. He 
said if our gospel is hid, it is hid because the God, little g, the God, little g, that is Satan, the God of this world, hath blinded them that they might not be able to see the light of this glorious gospel. You need to pray, number one, God, open their eyes, open their eyes, open their eyes. Amen, I'm, I, I'm trying to hurry to a close. Number two, amen, Colossians 1 and 13 says, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. Number one, they are blind, but number two, they are held in darkness. I said they're held in darkness. Just because they can see and you prayed their eyes open doesn't mean they can comprehend because now they're bound in darkness. You gotta pray God open their eyes and God set them free from the darkness that they're living in. Y'all getting anything out of this tonight? Amen. Acts chapter 26 and verse 18 says, to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. Amen. We pray their eyes be open. We pray that they would be released out of darkness. Amen. But the third thing you got to understand, Acts 26 says that they are in the devil's kingdom. They are in the kingdom of hell. And we have got to pray that they come out of the kingdom of hell, out of the kingdom of darkness, and into the glorious kingdom of God. And then number four, you got to realize that those, according to John 3.18, they are condemned already. He that, believeth, he that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. They're blind. They're bound in darkness. They're in the kingdom of hell. And they're condemned. Then Ephesians 2 and 1 says, And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sin. Not only are they blind, not only are the lost, amen, is the unbeliever blind. They are held in darkness. They are in the devil's kingdom. They are condemned already, but they are also spiritually dead. And nothing short of divine intervention from God is going to change that. As we realize the necessity of prayer, not just for our personal lives, but we begin to create an appetite for evangelistic prayer, then we will begin to pray. Amen. God, change their hearts. Open their eyes. Release them from the spirit of bondage. I don't know about you. Amen. Everybody's talking about a civil war. Amen. On both sides. We're on a, I don't know about a civil war, but I'm ready for spiritual warfare. I pray to God there would be some people rise up in our first church campuses that would say, hey, I don't care about any of that. Here's what I care about. God, open their eyes. Bring them out of darkness. Release them from the kingdom of hell. Release them from their condemnation. And oh God, bring them back to life. Hallelujah. Amen. We need to establish prayer partners who will pray for each other in evangelistic prayer. I learned one, I, I've learned a few things, not just one, but I have learned one thing in particular in this subject, especially when it comes to prayer. You need accountability in prayer. You need accountability in prayer. I said, you need accountability in prayer. You need accountability in prayer. So I'm just going to pray about, you need somebody you can partner with. And I'm praying, and, and we're going to close here in just a moment. And I'm not just saying that to give you hope. We really are eventually going to close. But before this service is over with, I want you to connect with somebody and ask them to be your prayer partner. Somebody that will have accountability that you can pray with. 
You see, the Bible says where two or three are gathered. Matthew 18 and 29 through 20, uh, and 19 through 20 says, and I say, again, I say unto you that if two, if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. You need to be able to have somebody that you can go to and say, hey, help me pray for this one. And then be honest enough to be able to see that's we do a lot of things good in, in, in the apostolic movement, Pentecostal. We, we do, but some things we don't do good. And we got to be honest enough to, to, to we got to be honest enough to say that about it. One of the things we don't do is we don't have enough accountability within the body. Man, I'm telling you what. <laughs> I'm telling you the gospel truth right now. We'll wait till pastor has to correct something before we will encourage somebody. We'll see somebody slipping and we'll go, well, pastor needs to get them. Rather than come up alongside them and encourage them. And often, and say, well, I, I don't want to correct them. Correcting is your job. That's exactly right. That's correction comes from the shepherd. I didn't say, I said encouragement. Oftentimes, when you see someone acting out here, it's because there's something happening in here. And all they need is somebody to connect with them and say, hey, can I pray with you? Are you doing okay? Let's, let's get together and have coffee from Dutch Brothers. Right? That, that's what you, that accountability, that connection with somebody. We don't do that very well. We don't, you know, the Bible says confess your faults one to another. Amen. We don't do that either. We're afraid to let people know our faults. We're, we, we spend six hours a day on social media trying to convince people we don't have them. But in the church, he said it's good to find somebody you can confide in. He didn't say confess your sins. He said your faults. You go to the Lord with your sins. But faults, hey, I need somebody to help me from time to time. Amen. Ephesians 6, 19 through 20, he said, And for me that utterance may be given unto me that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in bonds that therein I may speak boldly as I ought. The greatest apostle to ever live. Ask the church at Ephesus, would you pray for me that I would be able to speak boldly we're talking about a man who preached to princes. We're talking about a man who preached to governors. We're talking about a man who preached to centurions. We're talking about a man that preached to some of the most powerful men and women in the world. And yet when he wrote to the church at Ephesus, he said, would you please help me? Would you pray with me that I would be able to open my mouth with boldness? And if Paul says, pray with me, I need boldness, then who am I? Not to ask my brothers and sisters, would you pray for me that I would have boldness? Who do we think we are? Who do we think we are? Maybe the reason we don't witness is because we've never had anybody pray for our mouth to be opened with boldness. Colossians 4 and 2 through 4 says, continue in prayer. And watching the same with thanksgiving, with all praying also for us that God would open unto us a door of utterance to speak the mystery of Christ for which I am also in bonds that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. He writes to the church at Colossae and he says pray for me that God would help me and to my utterance that I may be able to speak of the mysteries of God as I ought to speak. In other words Paul was being transparent. He said I'm struggling with my boldness brother Alonzo. He said I, I, I'm struggling with it. I'm I'm not saying the things the way I should say them. I find myself hesitating. I find myself going the other direction because I know I need to say something, but I just don't have the boldness to say it. And I don't have the, I don't have the confidence to be able to speak it when I ought to speak. I'm telling you, if Paul could confess and say, I need you to help me, 
that we ought to be able to look at one another in this room and say, I need you to help me and I need you to help me because I want to go to my job tomorrow with boldness and I want to go to my job next week and I want to reach somebody with the gospel and the only way I can do it is if I speak what I ought to speak with boldness. Paul longed for fellow believers to pray that they would be obedient and courageous and clearly speak the gospel every time a door was open for them to evangelize. If Paul needed that kind of prayer and that kind of support, how much more do you and I need that kind of prayer and that kind of support? We don't need to just focus on our needs. We need to pray for the lost. We need to pray that God would set them free. Amen. You got people praying for you, but what about the unbelievers at your job? They ain't got nobody praying for them. You've got somebody in this room that'll pray for you at least on Tuesday and Sunday. They got nobody calling their name in prayer. Amen. They're about to go through a divorce and they got nobody calling them in prayer. That lady you work with, her husband is verbally and physically abusing her. Amen. And she won't tell anybody, but nobody's praying for her. That young lady that's been molested and abused, she hadn't told anybody and she wrestles with suicide and she wrestles with hating her own body and herself and yet nobody will pray for her and we'll, we got to get a boldness to say God it's not about me but help me reach that one that oh God what about that man that you work with I said what about that man you work with on your job who his father beat him because his father beat him and he hates himself and he constantly wants to end his life oh he may seem like everything's alright but what would happen if you got a boldness in yourself and you begin to call that man's name in prayer and then you have the boldness and the authority to share with him the gospel of Jesus Christ you never know what they're dealing with and yet they got nobody praying for them nobody's praying for them they're struggling with they're struggling with opioid addiction right now on your job people in management people in management in your job they hate themselves. They hate life. They're dealing with all kinds of addictions in their world. But they come and they put it on. And you think everything's right. And yet we go to prayer and God give me a better job. And give me a better, give me their job. And give me that position and give me that. And Lord, I want this and Lord, I want that. And then we, we never even think to call their name in prayer. The pastor, they're not interested. How could they be? They've never tasted it. They're blind, they're bound, they're condemned, they're dead. Romans 10 and 1, and I conclude with this. Paul said, brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God is for Israel, is that they might be saved. He said, every day I'm praying for my people that they would be saved. And here's a, pro, a, a model, and I'm not going to be able to finish all of this tonight. And if the Lord wills it, I'll conclude it next Tuesday night. It's, it's only a short bit left, but I want to conclude on the heart prayer. We've been praying that on Thursday nights. I want to make this make sense. Does it make sense now, the heart prayer? When we use the acronym for heart, is this making sense now? I know we've been praying it, but you, I hadn't taught the lesson. Amen. Here's the heart prayer. You've got a slide for that. I don't know if you have it in the computer, but, but we're going to post it because I want you to go to the members page tonight and we'll post the heart prayer. I want you daily to pray this acronym. It's the word heart. Everybody say heart. First of all, we pray the letter H. The letter H is to pray for believers to have a receptive heart to hear the gospel. Pray for them to have a receptive heart to hear the gospel. The second, the second letter in the word heart is E. We pray that their spiritual eyes will be opened. All right? So we pray for their heart, for them to hear the gospel. We pray for their eyes to be open. The third letter is A. And we pray that they will have God's attitude towards sin. How many knows what God's attitude towards sin is? It's not keep doing it. It's stop doing it. And walk away from it. The reason I'm not breaking this down further is because we've been praying this on Thursday nights. And I think you get the understanding of each letter. But I've contextualized that for you through this lesson. Then we pray the letter R. 
And that means that we're going to pray that they would be released to believe. And finally, we pray the letter T, that their lives will be transformed. Their lives will be transformed. Amen. How many has got some understanding how we can pray for the lost? Amen. Amen. Famous last words of a Pentecostal preachers. I'm going to keep it short. I hope you don't feel like you've been here a long time, though. I hope you got something out of this. I find it amazing that modern-day Christianity, even in our movement, is, hey, preach to us how to have happiness and joy, peace. Preach to us about blessing. The disciples only ever requested one sermon from Jesus. You know what it was? Teach me how to pray. Teach me how to pray. Teach us how to pray. You learn how to pray, you'll be blessed. You'll have joy. You'll have peace. When you pray, pray for the people groups in our community. Pray for the people groups in our community. Every day when I pray, I call the names of these flags, these nationalities. If I'm in the church, if you don't know the nationalities of these flags, there's this thing called Google. You need to go through here. You need to come over here. Pray for Venezuela. Because there's Venezuelans in our community. In Japan. In Uganda. Ecuador. Israel. Mexico. Peru, I believe this is Peru, Spain, Argentina, I believe. All of these nations are living in our community. When you pray, pray for people groups. Don't just pray for the lost, but pray specifically for the lost. Pray for the Irish. They're a bunch of knuckleheads. Believe me, I'm part Irish. Pray for my wife. She's in the UK right now. God help the Limeys. Amen. And the Filipinos. Cambodia. Touch them, Lord. This is um, Mozambique. That's Uganda's Mozambique. Zambia. America. Vietnam. That, that's, that's a Latin American country. The Congo. Pray for these different ones. They're in our city. When you pray, pray for the nation groups in our city. I think 40% of the city of Woodland is Spanish speaking. It would do you well to open up a, an app or a book, something, and go through the Latin American countries and pray, pray for Panama. God, reach the Panamanians in our city right now. The Costa Ricans. Those from Belize. Those from Nicaragua. Thank God we got some Nicaraguans in our church. Amen. Lord, those from Mexico. God, uh, touch those right now, Lord, in Colombia and Venezuela and Peru. And touch them right now, oh God, in Ecuador. Touch them, God, right now in Guyana. Touch them right now in Brazil and Argentina and Chile. Oh God, touch them in Bolivia. I mean, you just start praying because these are our, they're in our borders right now. God, touch the French African speaking in our community, the Haitian in our community, the Filipinos. And pray, oh God, right now. I pray you to reach in and touch God. The African Americans in our community. Pray for, when we started the church in Vacaville 14 years ago, I stood in that living room in our first service. There was nine of us in that living room and I made this statement right then. I said, I know we're small and we're just starting tonight. I said, but I am telling you right now, this will be the most multiracial, multicultural church in this city and not by accident, but by design. Pray for people groups. Don't just stop at ethnic people groups. Pray for people. Stand with me tonight. Pray, pray for the fire department. Pray for the police department. Pray for city council. Pray for the mayor. Hey, pray for the school teachers. Pray for bus drivers, public transit. Pray. 
Pray for the young people. Pray for the schools. Pray. Persistently pray. Say, Pastor, you give me a lot of things to pray about in our city. And we haven't even scratched the surface. Go write it down. If you have a problem when you go to prayer and you say, well, I just, I go to prayer and my mind goes blank. Write some of these things down. And you know what's amazing? You know what's amazing, Brother Reuben, is I'll be praying and I'll just start listening. I can list 20 different countries. And I mean, it's just, I'm just praying. All of a sudden, I'll hit on one country. And I mean, out of the blue, it'll hit my mind. Laos. And all of a sudden, it just feels like my insides are turning out. And I just get a burden for Laotian people that are in our city or, 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 or in the world. I, I'll, be, I'll be listing our, our civil servants, you know, the fire department. The, the, and all of a sudden, sometimes, not every time, but sometimes one of them hit me. Boom, I'll just start praying for the city council. And I'll start praying for city managers and the Holy Ghost to move. If you will, if you will be intentional with your evangelistic prayer, God will use it. Let me say this. It is no coincidence, Brother Garza, that since we've been pre praying this, every service, God has been drawing somebody. Midweek or Sunday. You know what God's trying to show us? And really, I'm going to be honest, I think probably only a handful of us are praying this every day. And this is happening. Could you imagine if 80% of our church started praying like this every day? We're going to put the heart prayer up. I'm working on putting my list together for, for an outline of how to pray in your own time where you can go to the Lord. And I promise you, if you'll use that as an outline, more times than not, you're going to get in the throne room of God when you pray. If you'll use it as a blueprint, as an outline. Listen to me, First Church. We're a great shouting church, worshiping church, preaching church, loving church, reaching church, all of that. But I am praying God will take our prayer to the next level. Like, like to the early church level. Here in the next several weeks, I don't know when, we're fixing to do a 24-hour prayer chain. And I hope you're ready for that. We'll fast for a week together. And then at 10 o'clock on a Saturday morning, we will start a 24-hour non-stop prayer. And we'll pray in shifts around the clock, 24 hours a day. I don't want to get bogged down in the details because I feel the Holy Ghost right here and I want to spend a little, a, a few moments in prayer. But we don't do virtual prayer during the 24-hour prayer chain. You come to the building, 24 hours a day, there will be somebody here to unlock it. Everything will be safe. Believe me, I've done this a bunch. Both campuses. At 2 p.m. on that Saturday, our Vacaville campus will start their 24-hour prayer chain. You can come and pray in one-hour slots. You can do it one hour. You can do three hours, three different slots. But for 24 hours nonstop, there will be somebody in this building going before the throne of God, praying for the lost of our city. And that's all we're going to pray for, for 24 hours. And then it will culminate at 10 a.m. here on that Sunday and 2 p.m. there on that Sunday. It will culminate, I believe, great... The greatest, if most effective thing I've seen is a church that prays without ceasing, that gets an appetite for evangelistic prayer. Amen. You feel like you got some understanding now how, how to pray for the lost? I want you to, if you would, just step for just a moment, step out of your chair, come to the altar for just a moment. I want to again thank you for your time. You are gracious beyond words. I, I, I'm so blessed, so blessed to be a part of this awesome family. How many can honestly say you felt God speaking to you tonight, challenging you tonight? The Bible says, with all thy getting, get, 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 get understanding. I believe tonight God has given understanding to You know how to pray for the lost now? You know how to pray for the lost now? They're blind. They're bound. They're dead. 
need somebody that will pray for the lost. God set them free. We pray the heart prayer. God, give them a, give them a heart that's receptive and ears to hear. Open their eyes. Let their life be transformed. God's going to do it. God is doing it. He's doing it right now. I, I believe some of you are going to, some of you are leaving tonight with confidence in how to pray for the lost. It doesn't mean you were ineffective in prayer before. I want to be clear. We've got some mighty prayer warriors in this church. But now, now you've got the right weapon. Hey, you don't kill a fly with a shotgun and you don't kill a bear with a fly swatter. You got the right tool tonight. I want you to lift your hands right now and say, Jesus, I'm opening my heart right now because I want to be used in evangelistic prayer to reach the lost. Lord, I don't want to be just a number. I don't want to just, just be someone that comes to church. I don't want to just be somebody that's just blessed on Sunday. But I want to be the one, oh God, that weeps between the porch and the altar. I want to be the one, oh God, who's not afraid to pray for the lost. Who gets an appetite, oh God, that every day, every day I wake up saying, I've got to. I've got to pray for somebody. I've got to pray for the lost. I've got to pray the heart prayer. I've got to pray for them that are bound because it's my co-workers that's bound. It's my family that's bound. It's the people I live here that's found. Thanks again for joining us for this podcast. It's such an honor that we could have you and we pray you were blessed by the word today. We want to stay connected with you and so give us a follow on our social media pages on Facebook or Instagram. You can find all of those on our website at firstchurch.app. You can also stay connected with us through that uh, website and you can download it as an app on your phone from there. And so until the next time, we pray you're blessed. Have a great week in Jesus' name.